Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. Yeah, but one of these days we'll change that. You keep threatening. So on this episode, even though it's still hotter than hell and definitely hotter than hellus, <laughs> fall is right around the corner. And I don't know about you, but for me, fall and winter, even though I have a joke for a winter and so does Denny, I want a bit more malt, something just a, a touch richer. But of course, being American, I still need my hops. So why don't we dig out something old for the coming cold? And we'll even dive into something secret as we explore the old style of alt beer. But first, here's a message from some of the people who make this show possible. Do you own a copy of John Palmer's How to Brew? If so, you know it's one of those truly indispensable resources for brewers. Well, it's time to replace that old dog-eared copy, because our friends at Brewers Publications have just published the fourth edition of How to Brew, and it's a totally new book. The new How to Brew clocks in at 600 pages, and every chapter has been updated and expanded, and there are five totally new chapters to boot. So grab your copy at your preferred beer book vendor, or buy it from the Brewers Association store if you want to get the book and support craft breweries at the same time. More info at BrewersPublications.com. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring Artisan Malt House Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion, beer. Since 1978, the HA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hobby in the world, providing brewing resources, supporting homebrewer-friendly legislation, offering exclusive member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrew Competition. Join your beer-loving peers at homebrewersassociation.org. So thank you for sticking around and listening to those messages from our sponsors. Remember, if you have any interactions with our sponsors, uh, tell them that you found them on the Brew Files. It tells them that they're putting their money in the right place and keep supporting the show so that we can bring keep bringing you topics. So, and speaking of topics, alt beer. Now, alt beer, this is a style that's been around for a while, and we'll get into why. But it's not been a very popular style in recent times, at least here in the U.S. and even somewhat in its homeland. Now, for me, I always thought it was funny. If you've asked me what three beers got me into good beer. I got into good beer when I was living in Boston, uh, going to college. And the three that I uh, that I really enjoyed were Harpoon IPA, Otter Creek Copper, which 
unfortunately passed away in 2015. And Long Trail Amber Ale, or now is just called Long Trail Ale. And what I didn't realize at the time, because of course I was just a dude drinking beer, not a dude obsessed with it, was two of those three were Americanized versions of alt beer. How about you, Denny? Shortly after I started homebrewing, I read a little bit about alt, but I had never seen one, never seen anybody make one. It mentioned that uh, Alaskan Amber was uh, in, in the style of an alt beer, so I went out and got one of those, and I was kind of disappointed. It seemed flabbier and sweeter than what I expected an alt beer to be. So I set about making one of my own. My first all-grain batch was a two-and-a-half-gallon batch of alt, and it turned out amazingly well. Uh, and, and I was hooked both on all-grain brewing and alt beer. Uh, I started entering them in contests because nobody was brewing and entering back then. It was an easy way to win. <laughs> you, know? you had the only one that was there. So uh, as part of my alt beer obsession, I picked up Horst Dornbusch's book. Uh, I read what he had to say, and I just laughed at him and poo-pooed him because he kept talking about crystal malt and alts and didn't have any Munich malt in a lot of them. And, you know, with, with the arrogance of a new home brewer, I, I was just sure that I knew better than he did what uh, alt beer was all about. And years later, I actually wrote Horst a letter of apology <laughs> because I had I had learned better and discovered he was right after all. So I guess maybe it's time to talk about what exactly an alt beer is, huh? Good thing is, I mean, Horst it gets a lot of uh, it gets a lot of flack from people for beer history type stuff, but he is from Dusseldorf, so I'll give him the uh, the technical details side on the alt beer. Yeah, well, you know what? And for years, it was like, oh, I know better than you do, Horst, despite the fact that you come from Dusseldorf and you've won medals for brewing these. And uh, that's why I said when I finally discovered how wrong I was, I actually wrote him a letter of apology. Now, getting into a little bit about what alt is, you'll remember that back in episodes 32 and 33, we talked to Andreas Krenmeier, uh, who has written the uh, historic German and Austrian beer uh, book about all sorts of German and Austrian beers that disappeared over time thanks to, you know, that little bit of beloved loophole fill law called the Reinholzgebot. Uh, almost killed anything inside of Germany that wasn't, you know, somehow purely beer by those things. Alt is one of the few that uh, survives as an ale uh, type of thing. It's kind of in that same remnant category as Berliner Weiss or Hefeweiss or even its uh, neighbor Kolsch, because Cologne's not that far away from Dusseldorf, where those are all pale beers with an eye towards lightness and towards uh, emulating some of the lager beers that, that are coming down the pike at that time. Alt beer is reddish copper, you know, an amber color, and it simultaneously pulls off both having like this hearty malt character to it with a firm bracing bitterness and also remaining eminently, eminently quaffable. So it's a little bit of a magic trick of a beer, which is part of the reason why I think people don't make it that much because it's kind of hard to nail it. And it's also hard to describe to people to make them, uh, well, to entice them to drink it. Yeah. And in terms of the firm bitterness, I mean, there's, there's a range there. Uh, you know, you have Diebels on the, on the low end and uh, Zumerigi on the upper end of the bitterness and dryness. But one thing that an alt beer should have is a fairly light body to it. Uh, even though it's a reasonably malt balanced beer, uh, but it's got to have that light body to it to keep it drinkable. So why don't we dig into a little bit of the history? And before we get into the history, uh, the usual spoiler warnings apply here. Beer history is, well, somewhat foggy. <laughs> it's, 
It's apocryphal. Yes, it is stories told by beer drinkers to other beer drinkers with about the usual level of reliability. So we're going to try and stay relatively high level without getting into too many of the details. Not actually a lot of legends around alt beer. But, I mean, it is very clear, at least from how everybody talks about it, that alt beer is a remnant of, you know, that German brown and red beer tradition that we talked about with uh, Andreas. The story basically goes that, as with a great many things in the beer industry, that with the rise of paler beers starting to come up, you know, once they had figured out sort of indirect heating and were able to actually, you know, do paler malts that were going to be able to last, with the rise of those, as those became popular, the fathers in Dusseldorf uh, decided that, you know, well, hey, you know, look, our brewing traditions are under siege. And one particular uh, brewery, uh, Brauri Schumacher, was founded in 1838, and they decided that, you know, they're they're going to begin to refer to their beer as alt, or old in English, to differentiate from the newfangled, you know, modern technology things that were rising up at the time, and, you know, to really kind of reinforce, hey, this is, this is traditional. And, of course, for me, I try to think about how that would fly in the face of everybody's love of the new here in the modern times, and we're always chasing the next newfangled thing, so... I can only imagine if you called something old, how well that would actually do for uh, for sales. Denny, could you imagine if somebody made decided that they were going to call West Coast IPA old IPA? I'd buy even more of it than I do. I mean, to, to me, the new and trendy doesn't mean that it's good. I have a real respect for uh, old and traditional because it's old and traditional for a reason. It's good. Like you. Yeah, that's right, man. I'm old, traditional, and I'm good. Uh, debatable. So the biggest brand that's out there is uh, Diebel's. Uh, we talked about that just a little bit. Uh, they are actually owned by Anheuser-Busch, and they are brewed outside of Dusseldorf. So there are some people who say that's not really a true alt beer uh, for those various reasons. And there's plenty of industrial industrial alt to go around. So like these sort of big caramel-colored, uh, effectively, lagers uh, that don't really fit into sort of the traditional profile that we think of with you know alt beer. Alt beer is somewhat under attack by, you know, sort of modern drinking trends. Remember that in Germany, there is less beer drinking going on than there used to be, which seems almost faintly ridiculous, but it's true. And alt beer is showing further signs of retreat faster than even the the lagers that uh, everybody associates with Germany. Now, the best traditional alt beer that I think that you can see here in the U.S., if you're lucky and you have a good bottle store and they keep everything in good shape, is the one from Dusseldorf from that we were just talking about a little bit earlier, the kind of the outlier, because it is kind of the the hoppier and drier one, which is a Zumerga. And they actually make a couple of a couple of them. Zumerga has to lead us off into a discussion of the pub culture that's around alt. This is one of my favorite things actually about alt beer. If you go into uh, the Altstadt, which is the old town of Dusseldorf, there are four remaining old school brewery pubs. And what I mean it's a brew pub, right? You know, you can go there, you can get food, you can, but it's not like an American brew pub where you go in and I've got 23 taps on and they're all different styles. Nope. You go into these brew pubs and you got two beers. And those are the two beers that you're going to enjoy in the, in these traditional pubs. The beer is still, you know, kind of served in a traditional way, which means that it's put into cask and the casks are gra- gravity poured. So a little bit of that throwback to old school service. And the, the beer itself is served in these 20 to 25 centiliter uh, glasses uh, called Beckers, which look very much like the Kolsch Stang. I mean, they're effectively a pipe with some slight widening to them. Small glasses and many, many samples in the traditional way that you get marked for how many beers you've had 
because the beer is the same price as your waiter comes along and makes a mark on your tablecloth. Now, uh, and I guess that that's pretty much hell for their laundry, huh? I well, I think it's pencil marks, but hey, you know, come on, it's not like they're doing things in blood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so th- that's uh, that's kind of the traditional uh, culture, and there's still four pubs that are doing this. Zumerga is one of them. There are a few others. And it really is sort of the old school throwback way of doing it. And, um, you know, one of my local homebrewers here in LA, a guy by the name of Fred Waltman, uh, is part of a Pacific Gravity. He's been leading an informal group of, well, tourists to Dusseldorf and a couple of other places in Germany and uh, the Czech Republic and other places in Europe, including Antwerp, uh, where, and he calls the group the Sticky Warriors. And we'll get into into that, but it really is just kind of an informal tour. He's been doing this now for 20 years. So 20 years every year going over to to Dusseldorf to go hit the sticky times, and we'll get into what sticky is here in a moment. I'll We'll include a link in the show notes to uh, Fred's page on the Sticky Warriors. He's actually a really great guy. It's a chance to go explore some really nice beer culture with a bunch of Americans who appreciate it as well. Definitely a thing, but it is just a unique little culture there in Dusseldorf for these beers. Speaking of uh, Schumacher, the people who supposedly you know, kind of gave that name of alt beer to everything, I don't speak a lick of German. I mean, I can understand some German, and the more beer I have, the more German I think I understand. <laughs> uh, th- there's actually a, a German tavern not too far away from me uh, where they have a California newspaper in German, right? The German language newspaper of California. And I always know it's time to stop having beers when I can start to read the front page. <laughs> but if you go to uh, Schumacher's website, they have a very cool uh, video of them brewing their 175th anniversary beer, which they did in uh, 2013. It was an alt, but with some special features to it. And what I really found fascinating about it was, particularly in light of discussions about you know things like how much oxygen do you have on the hot side. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'll you'll see in the video that one there are a couple of really cool features, like a horizontal cool ship to allow the beer to start cooling down and settle out, and then also. A good old-fashioned copper waterfall cooler. If you've never seen one of these things in action, they're kind of beautiful, but also terrifying uh, from a sanitation point of view, because essentially the wart cascades in at the top and then goes down these copper ripples, for uh, lack of a better way of putting it, and the copper has water circulating inside of it. So as the beer drops down this waterfall, it hits cold copper, takes some of the heat out. It also gets exposed to the air, takes some of the heat out there. It's really kind of cool, but yeah. Well, you know what? To me, man, uh, that is proof that uh, there is more than one right way to brew beer. Yeah. Oh, and of course, uh, my other favorite thing is if you go and you watch the video, you'll see they do their fermentation uh, in open tanks until they get to the lagering stage. Yay! Open fermentation. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and get into the beer, Denny? You want to lead us through the the beer? Sure. Basically, uh, alt beer is a reddish to copper colored beer that has. Uh, a real solid malt presence that uh, is overlaid with a pretty firm bitterness. Now that bitterness will vary uh, from brand to brand. Some of them are less bitter than others. Things like, like Zumerigi are very dry. Some of the newer ones uh, play around with ingredients. Uh, the the Pinkster Munster Alt is, uh, is a lot paler and there's wheat in it. And to me, it just doesn't even taste like an alt beer, but, you know, they say it is, and it's their beer, so it is. OGs are in the uh, mid-40s to low-50s. Uh, you're looking for an ABV that's in the 45 to 5% range. Bitterness can be in the mid-20s and go up to nearly 50, again, for uh, for Zoom Ariga. 
water, and we'll talk a little bit about this more when we give you the Zoom Arago recipe later. Dusseldorf water is a bit more assertive than Munich or Pilsen water. It's uh, it's harder. It's got more carbonate content. Brunwater has a Dusseldorf profile, but as always, we advise you to avoid the city profiles and go with the flavor and color profile. And the amber dry profile in Brunwater works just great. The water, like I said, is on the carbonate side a bit with uh, uh, more sulfate than chloride, about a two to one ratio. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not really weird water and uh, it's pretty close to what you may already be using to make hoppy beers. And on the malt side, you know, traditionally you'd be talking about brown malts, but of course that's old tradition. We're not doing that. So these days, yeah, a number of them are essentially a combination of Pilsner or a toasted malt like Munich, uh, a little bit of a color malt like a a Kara Amber, Kara Munich, or a Kara Red, you know, sticking with German malts. Um, so, I mean, those are roughly say like a C20 to C40 or C60 range, but really do splurge for the German malts on this one. And sometimes a tiny bit of roast malt, uh, just to really bump up the color and give it that sort of that red hue, kind of like what a lot of people talk about. If you're going to make an American red, you know, just use a little bit of roasted malt in there. Uh, we do uh, recommend that you don't use, you know, say a full on black or chocolate malt, you know, use one of the, the craft of the bittered special type malts. I think that works better. Yeah. You know, and I just, I just use uh cinnamar because it's a lot easier and it's basically the same thing. And I don't have to guess at how much I need to put into my mash. Well, and there, and there are a lot of industrial, uh, industrial alts that do use cinnamar or some sort of equivalent caramel coloring. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Um, cinnamon isn't exactly a caramel coloring. It's made from carafa, but still same idea. Hence the ore. Yeah. I think that you will see fewer using Munich malt than those that don't. For my Americanized version, Munich malt plays a big part in it. And I think it's delicious. So what, whatever you like, uh, I don't know about the real need to use German malts. I have uh, won awards for uh, alts that I brewed with all domestic malts, but uh, certainly it doesn't hurt to use German malts. Moving on to the mash, multi-step rules in Dusseldorf. Uh, all of the traditional recipes I've been able to pull up are all uh, multi-step infusion, but of course we're Americans, so single infusion will also work. They don't tend to do decoctions. They tend to do everything via either infusion or direct heat because who's got time to decoct anything. The traditional schedules are, you know, basically kind of a three-step process. You know, a lot of what you would expect, you know, start in the 120s for a protein rest for, you know, say about 10 to 20 minutes, raise up to 148, 420 to 30 for low sacrification, and then raise up to say about 158 to a high of 162 for another 20 to 30 before going to mash out. Or you could just do a protein rest to a high sac rest or just do a single infusion. I've made lots and lots of alt beers and, uh, I've done it just about every way you can, various step mash schedules, couple infusions, and at least uh, for me on a homebrew level, it just doesn't matter unless the malt needs it. Although, once again, when we get to the Zoom Aragi recipe in a few minutes, you'll see that they kind of like fly in the face of uh, of science and just do whatever the hell they want to do. I think that's called tradition. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk hops? So for hops... Traditionally, Spalt or Spalter Select is the hop that's used for alt beer, but oftentimes others are, are in there along with it. Uh, Haller Tower, Tetnanger, maybe Pearl, the, you don't see that a whole 
lot. Generally looking at a bittering edition, a flavor edition, and a knockout edition. Uh, for my alts, I do a first word hop, a 60-minute edition, and a flame-out edition. Some some German brewers um, actually wait to uh, cool the wort slightly before uh, giving the final dose of hops, uh, a bit like uh, whirlpool hopping. Attack onto that. I've seen some variations out there, you know, say, for instance, the uh, Schumacher alt beer. And it looks like uh, more people are starting to play around with American hops now that they're kind of going out further in the world again, like they did back during Victorian times. I still wouldn't do anything out of place or wacky. Uh, like, I know somebody out there right now is probably thinking, you know what sounds like a great idea? A Citra Alt. No, 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 please. No, no, no. Yeah, I have used Mount Hood uh, in uh, alt beers quite a few times, and uh, th- they work great because they're just kind of an Americanized Haller Tower anyway. All right, and then on to the yeast. I know this is one of those places where Denny and I are going to have some disagreements, but really the main thing is that you want a clean, neutral ale yeast that can also handle the cold. So, like, White Labs will recommend uh, WLPO29, which is their cold yeast. I'm not a huge fan of doing a cold yeast in this thing. But the other ones that are out there are WLPO3, which is their German ale yeast. Again, it's another Kolsch strain, but this one is a little more subdued. And then the one that, if you can wait, uh, that I like a lot is the WLPO36, which is actually a Dusseldorf alt strain from Zumerica. You know, and that's, that's very interesting because Yeast 1007 is also a Dusseldorf alt strain from Zumerica. And those two yeasts produce completely. Completely different beers. I wouldn't be surprised if they're just selected at different times or different monocultures or. Oh, yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it could be that they they pulled uh, different different colonies out of a sample or something. I find that 1007 produces a much crisper and lighter bodied beer than uh, 36 does. So why is 1007 is my absolute first choice for an alt beer yeast. But I have actually won awards for alt beers that I made with Yeast 1056. I was getting ready to make some of my old stoner barley wine. I needed a slurry of something to put into it. So I brewed up a batch of my Milo's alt recipe with 1056. Uh, I thought it was good. I entered it in competitions. And sure enough, it came back with ribbons. So basically what you're looking for is a yeast that's not only clean, but leaves you with a light, crisp finish. Well, and of course, now I think we have to get into fermentation because fermentation to me is really what makes an alt beer, you know, sort of special. Just like its cousin Kolsch, alt is sort of a hybrid. It's something done with an ale yeast, but done at much cooler temperatures and then goes in for an extended lagering period. So what you need to do is you need to start with a good, healthy pitch of yeast. You know, don't don't go slacking on your yeast. You know, get a good colony going and then get this thing in. And this is also not a time to try and, you know, say, cool your beer down to 70 degrees and then pitch your yeast and then try and force the fermentation temperature down. Really do get your fermentation temperature down, say, somewhere in the mid to high 50s, even the low 60s. You know, so I like to do mine at 60. Denny, I think you like to do yours at just a little bit lower. Yep. Yep. I uh, I like to start like right around 55. And fortunately, both the uh, Yeast 1007 and 1056 are just perfectly happy at 55 Fahrenheit. And then after the primary fermentation is done, you rack off or you don't, depending upon your your predilections, but you do go into a cold lagering period of time. Not necessarily as long as some people say that you have to do traditional lagers, but at least two weeks at, you know, say about as cold as you can get. Because part of the effect of that is going to be to, you know, really enforce that clarity and also reduce the, the ester profile thanks to the reduced temperature. The kind of the end result that you get is a beer that has a little bit of that ale sweetness, you know, from the fruity esters that you'd, that you'd get. 
but still the profile of those esters is reduced as if though you'd run it at just normal oil temperatures. And then, of course, a very well-cleared and very kind of clean and crisp nature. Yeah, you know what? And I don't get much of the fruity yeast character most of the time. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just overlooking it. But to me, these are just like crisp beers that uh, kind of like are bracing when you drink them. Well, but what I mean is if you took the same wort and you fermented it with a lager strain and you fermented it with an ale strain, you know, the way that we're talking about here, I think you'll notice that in the ale version, you do have a little bit more fruitiness, but it's not like, it's not screaming fruitiness, right? It's not, you know, like a German Hefe or or an English ale with that big cherry red apple type character to it. Okay, if you say so. I do. And now uh, we should dig into a couple of classic and variants. The, the classic versions of alt beer, and you can find a lot of these around the States. Uh, there's Schlosser, there's Schumacher's, there's Diebel, which I seem to see all the time. And there's Zumerega, which is my absolute favorite. Uh, if you can find it in good shape, we're lucky to have a great beer store here that uh, often has it, and it's always fantastic when we get it. And it's always in cool little bottles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is. Uh, I have a number of uh, of Zumerega bottles saved up because they are so cool. Then you have your American versions like uh, like Alaskan Amber, Long Trail Amber. They tend to be a little sweeter and a little bit less hop forward than uh, than the German ones do. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I still miss Long Trail Lambert. <laughs> it was it was a good beer, man. Uh, you know, fortunately, I didn't know about alt beer when I was drinking it, so I could just enjoy it for what it was, rather than saying to myself, "Oh, damn, this really isn't an alt." All right. And of course, there are a couple other variations out there on alt beer because, of course, there are going to be alt beers uh, variations because who just wants to do one thing? Even the Germans don't want to just do one thing. And so besides the American alt beers, there are also the whole world of the sticky alt beers. And I talked about the sticky warriors earlier. Sticky alt is basically it's a bigger version of an alt beer, right? You know, sort of a, a sort of souped up version. Kind of think like, you know, IPA versus Imperial IPA or double IPA, only not so aggressive in nature. Uh, sticky just means uh, secret in sort of German slang. And what it really refers to is the fact that twice a year, the most of the little brewery pubs in Dusseldorf would release this secret beer. And the only way that you knew that it was coming out was, hey, you know, there's a sign on the door that day saying, hey, we got the special beer today. Now, of course, everybody publicizes when it is. I think uh, Zoom Erga is like the third Thursday, no, third Tuesday of uh, October and I want to say January. Go look at their site. They tell you, <laughs> uh, but you can go there and you can get this. And I mean, the big difference is, I mean, it, like instead of being, you know, the 4.75 type range, it's more like uh, 5.56 range, you know, so it's a little, a little bumped up, but not, you know, not massively so. And then you've got your uh, Doppelsticker, which is an even bigger sticker. Yeah. Which it comes in at 8% and is only made for export to the U.S. market. And it's, Damn good, let me tell you. If you can find a Zumerige uh, Doppelsticker in good shape, you are going to just be in beer heaven. I don't even think it needs to be in good shape. That it seems almost bulletproof. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've uh, I've gotten a couple that have not been bulletproof. Well, there we go. And again, it still comes in those really cool thirty-three centiliter bottles. Uh, but uh, definitely look out the for the Doppelsticker. It's kind of funny to me that they made that for the American market because I guess you know more. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And then there is one sort of kind of related style that's not really related, but it's in the same, you know, the same sort of lineage. Uh, and we're going to talk more about it later on a different show with some different people. 
And that's the uh, Dortmund Adam beer. And the Adam beer, historically speaking, is kind of a sour thingy with a whole bunch of strength and a whole bunch of hops. And over time, that's morphed into things that we see from, say, like Hair of the Dog with their Adam, uh, with a little bit of smoke, but also just kind of a big, almost German barley wine-esque thing. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, it, it's a great style, but we're going to dig way more into that in short order. So now I think, of course, we also have to talk some recipes. And I mean, I think there's no better place for us to start than with Zumerga. Yeah, uh, a number of years ago, maybe 10 years or so ago, uh, New Brewer Magazine, which is kind of like Zymergy for uh, commercial brewers, did an interview with the brewmaster at Zumerga, Frank Hebmuller, and uh, he talked about uh, the recipe that he uses and how he brews it. And I'll just kind of go through this here real quick. Uh, the, the brewing notes are uh, water can be relatively hard with a high carbonate level, which we mentioned before. The malt is based on well-modified pills with a bit of caramel malt and a bit of chocolate roasted wheat malt. The mash schedule has rests at 125, 144, 158, and a mash out rest at 169. And this is what I was saying about how uh, they fly in the face of science and they use a well-modified pills malt but do a 125 rest. Something that I would say, well, that's ridiculous, but I love the beer, so I'm not going to say that anything they do is ridiculous. They boil for 60 to 70 minutes. They use uh, Hallertown Middlefru, Pearl, or Spalt hops. The Aroma Hop Edition is about 25% of the total hop amount. You add the Aroma Hops no earlier than 20 minutes before flame out. OG is in the 1044 to 1052 range. They primary the beer between 59 and 68, and although Frank didn't really say, I would assume that that's like a rising mash schedule. They actually do a secondary at 50 degrees. Then they condition the beer at 32 degrees Fahrenheit for 14 days. Final gravity should be 1008 to 1014. Again, see that that's making this a really crisp, dry beer. Uh, 4.3 to 5.5% ABV. And for a five gallon batch, and, and again, you know, put this into your software because this is probably not going to work as it is. But for five gallons, he says 5.9 pounds of Pills malt, 0.15 pounds of uh, Weyermann Caramunich, 1.3 ounces of chocolate roasted malt, like Weyermann Carafa Special Type 1, uh, 7 tenths of an ounce of Hallertau Middle Fruit, 6.5% at 60 minutes, uh, 0.46 ounce of Pearl at 7.5% for 60 minutes, and 1.11 ounce of spalt at 5% for 20 minutes. And in case you're wondering why those are such weird amounts, it's because uh, I translated them from metric. Go figure. Not the same. Yeah. So so if you don't get exactly 1.34 ounces of chocolate roasted malt in there, I don't think you're going to kill the beer. Um, it's, a, it's a great recipe. It makes a great beer that uh, is definitely in the ballpark of, of Zumerga. And, uh, you know, the, I say in the ballpark because it's only my brewing ability that uh, keeps it from being better, but it, it's a really great example of how to make an alt beer. So give it a shot. While we're here on the topic of Zumerga, why don't we uh, go ahead and jump, uh, jump over to what I'm calling a double secret probation alt. <laughs> you know, that's, that's particularly fitting because uh, as we record this, it's the 40th anniversary of Animal House. I know, right there in Eugene. That's right. So for this is really kind of a, just a jumped up version of that Zumerga recipe because, well, why not? 
uh, yeah, the double secret provision, five and a half gallons at say about 1080 with 62 IBUs, 16 SRM. And this version comes in at about 8%. If you wanted to, you could probably finagle some magic and get even higher. Very simple idea here, 16 pounds of pills, a half a pound of Karamunic, and a third of a pound of Carafa 2. I put in Carafa 2 because that's what I have, uh, as opposed to, say, you know, the type 1. But again, use the debittered stuff. But you can tell the same general idea, except for here, uh, instead of bumping up everything by equal amounts, I bumped everything up by a little bit, but I bumped up the Pilsner by uh, by the majority of it. Same sort of uh, schedule just to keep in with uh, Zoomerga. If you've got something like, you know, say, a grandfather or a robo brew or mash boil that gives you some automation or some help with this. This is easy to do. Mash at 122 for 20 minutes, mash at 148 for 30, and mash at 158 for another 30. And then do a mash out. Boom, done. For me, for the hops, just to give this a little bit of a difference, uh, I use Magnum because, of course, I have a metric ton of Magnum on hand in my freezer. <laughs> you have a Magnum fixation, I, I, buddy. Magnum and Warrior. Yeah, those are like, <laughs> those are my bittering hops. Uh, and I use 1.5 ounces of Magnum because, again, I need a lot of bitterness in this. That's 12% uh, alpha acid. Use that for 60 minutes. Boil this thing for, say, 70 to 90 uh, just to get some concentration going. And then I close it out with a whirlpool of 20 minutes of two ounces of Willamette just to give it an American spin. And that goes in at like 5.5% alpha acid. And then use your alt beer yeast of choice and do your usual sort of fermentation. Yeah, man. Um, sounds sounds great. And I think that you made a great point. If you have a system that it's easy to do a step mash on, give it a shot, see what happens. And of course, we can't leave you with this discussion of the alt without at least giving you, well, an Americanized version of an alt. So Denny, why don't you go ahead and talk about yours? Yeah, uh, this is my recipe for Milo's alt, named after my beloved departed huge gray and white cat, Milo. Um, this is one that has been really, really popular with homebrewers for, geez, I guess probably 15 years or so. Lots of people have brewed this. This uh, comes from the days when I believe that uh, an alt beer should have a lot of Munich malt, and I've actually even made this with 100% Munich malt. But I've kind of decided through the years that I like it better if I uh, mix in some Pils malt and cut back the Munich just a bit. So just real quick, this uh, recipe we're going to put up on the website is for five and a half gallons, OG 1060, uh, IBU 52.2. So it's uh, real close to a one-to-one BU-to-GU ratio. So you can tell it's an Americanized version of an alt. Uh, starts off with nine pounds of Munich. That's about 72%. Uh, three and a half pounds of pills. That's about 28%. And basically about a tablespoon of Cinnamar, but to tell you the truth, I really don't measure the Cinnamar. I just add it to the kettle, use a Pyrex measuring cup to pull a sample, take a look at the color, add more if needed. Uh, in case you don't know what Cinnamar is, it's like a made, it's a coloring agent made from steeping carafa. So it's all natural. It's all 100% malt. To me, it's just an easier way of getting color into your beer than trying to decide how much carafa to put into a mash. It's 100% Reinhardtskabut approved. That's right, man. And if you don't have access to Cinemar, because it can be kind of hard to find at uh, home size levels because you don't need much, the easy thing to do is you can actually just go and finally crush some carafa malt and cold steep that overnight and then sieve that out and use that. If you're going to take it into the boil like Denny does, 
you can just go ahead and take it straight. Or, you know, I've played tricks before where I've colored beers later, like the original black IPAs were. If you're going to do that on the cold side, make sure you do something like bring it to a boil or nuke it for a little bit just to kill off anything that's living on the grain. Yeah, right, right. I mean, and you can actually even add it to like a keg to adjust color. You can add it to a glass of your beer and ask your friends if they want a Pilsner and put some of that in it and freak them out. Yeah, the, the dirty secret about uh, the most uh, short spears apparently is that a good number of industrial short spears are just somebody's Pilsner or Hellas colored with <laughs> cinnamar. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've heard, you know. Uh, no direct experience, but uh, hop-wise for Milo's Altier, uh, I put a, an ounce of Spalt Select in as first word hop, and then uh, two and a half ounces uh, for 60-minute boil. I generally don't put in any uh, aroma additions right at the end, but that kind of goes back and forth depending on how I feel. Either way is fine. Do it. Don't do it. Uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. Uh, if you can't find Spalt, uh, Tetnang, Holler Tower, uh, I've used Mount Hood a lot for this. Makes a great, great hop for it. The yeast uh, I tend to use for this is Y Yeast 1007 because it ferments really well at 55 uh, Fahrenheit, which is where I like to start this beer. But I've also had really good luck using uh, Y Yeast 1056 at 55 degrees. Uh, I have uh, some ribbons that I've made for batches where I use 1056 because I wanted to use the slurry as a starter for my old stoner barley wine. So again, like I was saying before, anything that ferments clean and uh, has a really nice crisp character to it will work fine. Right. Well, and I think that sounds like an awfully good idea. You know, get some alt into your system, even if you just wanted an American version. Anything else that you think that we need to cover, Denny? No, I I think that we pretty much have done it all. <laughs> look, look, I can make puns too. Oh, just you wait. Yeah, I know, man, and they're just as bad as yours. Guys, you know, you should go out there and you should definitely make an alt. And tell us if you do. So thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this exploration of something old and definitely something borrowed if you're making the American version. If you don't brew an alt, re-guarantee blue <laughs> that is so bad yeah i told you it was gonna get worse no and you were right are you going to make an alt if you do you know let us know are you going to make a traditional one or are you going to you know go on double secret probation and, and make something worthy of animal house let, let me just say right now please for the love of all that is beery don't put fruit in your alt there you go. alternative uh, alternative alts Remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrewing forum known out there. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the Amazon AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is... It is NowZad, a wonderful organization that started out helping soldiers in Afghanistan care for the dogs they found and help them bring them home. And now they've gone a lot farther than that. They're uh, into getting veterinary services for the Afghani people. And still, you know, they're helping soldiers with their dogs. And, uh, you know, veterans and dogs, it just doesn't get any better than that. Pledge a buck or two or more. Come on. You know you want to help the until next time, remember to always brew wacky. 
or brew experimentally, and the brew is out there. <laughs>